0: You are tuning into the True North Church podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Rob, if you don't know that, I'm one of the pastors on staff. I get the opportunity to bring the message to you today. Before I do that, I want to ask, if you're here in person, we live stream this gathering to different correctional facilities and to uh, other ways that people who are maybe not able to be here in person today can join us. So we want to welcome those who are in person and those online. Can you help me with that? Awesome. We're so glad you're here today. And I'm going to start this morning by going back to 1989. Okay, and if you're wondering what 1989 was, that means you're young. Uh, but 1989 was the year one of the, uh, I think, one of my personal favorite movie series, Part 2, came out. And that was Back to the Future 2. Okay, yes, thank you. And the, the movie Back to the Future was about a guy who went back in time and then had to get back to the future. But in Part 2, in 1989, so way before the internet, way before really probably even before CDs. I mean, we were still using cassettes back then, uh, way before personal computers were everywhere, way before our iPhones or galaxies were in our pockets controlling our lives. 1989, this film sent the character into the future and they tried to imagine what the future would look like. And what was so funny was sometimes you, you see these movies and you think of them, man, when I was a kid, it was looking so far into the future. But this movie put the future of 2015 which we passed eight years ago, right? Well, this is what they thought eight years ago was gonna look like. We got some pictures up here of it. I think the first one is flying cars. Now, I don't know why flying cars, ever since the Jetsons, flying cars are like in every futuristic move, uh, movie, right? Like we're, we're determined, regardless of how bad of drivers we are, we're determined to put ourselves in the air as well. So, but we didn't get, fu- we didn't get that. This is what they thought we would look like <laughs> and dress like in the future, okay? So fortunately, we don't. They also thought... Uh, we would have shoes that lace themselves up, which actually would be awesome. Let's be honest, if you're a bit lazy like me, that would be fantastic. Just slide it in, and then the shoe just fits. They also thought we would have uh, quick-drying jackets. Not like, you know, the kind of rainproof ones, but ones where you could just like jump in the water, hop out, and boom, your jacket and your clothes are dry, ready to go. Uh, ready, Always ready for a party, so... Uh, They also imagined this is what gas stations would look like, fully robotic. That's what they thought cars would look like, which I think Tesla is modeling some of theirs after. (laughs) But they thought we would just pull up to the gas station and we wouldn't have to get out of the car and no one would have to come and do it. It would be fully automated for us. They also thought that, uh, this one's very funny, because of course... They had no idea what the internet was. They had no idea what text messaging or email really was. And so they thought we were going to be using fax machines. Some of us probably still have fax machines in our offices and have to use them for certain areas. But this is like not a place where you'd bring your mail, but a little box where you could just send a fax machine, right? Little did they know that that's now just in our pocket. So, and then the next one. Uh, We would have hologram ads. Holograms is another one. It's in ever since Star Wars, right? Flying cars and holograms. It's like every future movie imagines this is what we're going to do. And then uh, an indoor garden center where just in your kitchen, fresh fruits available. Wouldn't that be nice? Just kind of go, hey, I want some uh, fruit, some grapes today. They thought we'd have... These, oh, and also instant food, not just to like add water while you're camping, but like whole pizzas and meals just made instantly, right? How much, how many of you wish we had that? Yeah, a lot of hands went up. Uh, And then I think we've got these glasses, which Google tried to do a couple years ago and they were terrible. And then I think the next one is the one that I as a kid was the most excited about. Yes, the hoverboard. Why did we never yet get the hoverboard? When I was a kid, I was 12 years old when this movie came out. And in my mind, this was the future. We were going to be cruising around on hoverboards. We have those wheelie things now, but they're not the same. They're not hoverboards. But the reason I point this out, and hopefully for you that are old enough, you remember the movie and remember enjoying it. But the reason I point this out is because this is how we live our lives, imagining the future imagining what's going to happen, imagining what's coming. And we all do it. Uh, and that's what this, this today's message in our Daring Faith series is called Daring to Imagine. You see, imagination is a gift from God. God himself uses his imagination. Imagination here, and I want to define it because this isn't some like just, hey, we just take some time and go sit out and dream up random things. But, But our imagination is our ability to see things in our mind. Our ability to create mental pictures of our current life and of our future. The Bible says that God saw the world before he created it. God saw what he wanted to make. He imagined what it could be. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in the Psalms, where the the author says, God saw you, and he imagined what your life was going to be like, and he imagined who he was making you to be, and he imagined what your days were going to hold. And so imagination isn't just for those who are making movies about the future. Imagination is a tool for us to use. In fact, if we think about it, (coughs) pardon me, everything starts in our imagination, Aren't you glad that somebody imagined indoor plumbing? Aren't you glad? Now, whether they were too lazy and didn't want to go on the camp or whether they lived in Fairbanks and were like, it's really cold outside, somebody imagined indoor plumbing. Now, if you live in a dry cabin, God bless you. Let me tell you, you need to expand your imagination because there's plumbing now. We can all have it. But everything, every piece of music, every piece of art, every movie or TV show, every building was first seen in someone's imagination. Everything that we create, everything that we do, it starts with what we can see, what we can envision. And this is how God wants us to live our faith as well. In fact, the Bible talks about, and if you've got your worship guide, we're gonna get to some of the fill in the blanks, you can follow along. The Bible talks about three categories of imagination. And we're going to look at these to start. The first one is this. There are some things the Bible says we should not imagine. The second category is there are some things the Bible says we cannot imagine. And the third category is that there are some things we should imagine. So that first category, things we should not imagine, this is how we misuse our imagination. And let me give you a few examples of this. Worry. You see, worry is just looking at the future without God. Worry is looking at the worst case scenario, which means God's not there. Worry is simply going, I see what's going to happen in my life, in my business, in my finances, in my children's life, but I don't see God. So I worry about it. Another way we misuse our imagination and something we should not imagine is areas of lust. And this isn't just sexual, but that's part of it. This is any area where we look at earthly things without God's purpose on them. Whether it's money, and we lust after more money. Whether it's sex, whether it's power, whether it's title, whatever it might be. We look at the pleasures of earth, but without God's purpose. So we imagine it usually selfishly. Lust usually goes, hey, I'm going to feel better because of that. Another way we misuse our imagination is when we think revengeful thoughts. And this is imagining justice in our hands, not in God's. This is us imagining, man, that's what I would do. And I I don't like to think that I have a lot of vengeful thoughts, but the reality is sometimes I go driving. And when I say revenge, I'm not talking about the big things of like, man, I would murder that person, but even in the little things, our day-to-day imaginations of when somebody maybe cuts us off, or maybe someone says something that we don't appreciate, and we have just that little imagination, well, someone's going to get you back. I don't know about you, but I imagine the troopers bypassing me as I speed to get the other guys, right? Right? But God says, the Bible says, these are ways we should not use our imagination. If you notice, often the theme through these is that we don't see God in those situations. We don't see God in those circumstances. We usually see ourselves at the center of those types of things. In Genesis chapter 6 is the story of God sending the flood. And what happened, if you're not familiar with it, is the world became incredibly evil. And so God realized, man, that what, I, what God had imagined for the earth was not what was happening. And so he said, I'm going to do a hard reset on this. And he sends a flood. But what's fascinating is the way the Bible describes what God saw. It says this, God sent the flood because the earth was filled with evil imaginations, In other words, it wasn't just the evil that they were doing. It was the fact that they were seeing the world without God. They were imagining themselves as the center of their life. They were imagining everything happening but without God. So they had thrown off his rules and his ways and his systems. And God said, you should not imagine like that. And we should not imagine like that either. And the second area, the areas that we cannot imagine... I, uh, I don't know why in preparing this message, I was thinking about a lot of futuristic films or films that are set like with a lot of, uh, you know, places with aliens where people have to imagine things. And I realize this all the time. Every time I see aliens or something like that, or, you know, you, you, you look at what they create and you're like, well, I can see where you got the inspiration for that. And then I think to myself, well, it makes sense because we can't imagine what we can't imagine, Right? We can't, we don't even know what we cannot imagine. In fact, it says this in 1 John verse 3, talking about how we see God. It says, yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. Even though we're his children, even though we have our faith in him, there are aspects of who God is that we just simply cannot comprehend. Our minds and our hearts and our world around us does not give us the ability yet to imagine it. He goes on, he says, But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. There are things beyond our imagination that we cannot envision you know, the reality is we, don't, we, we do not have the ability to fully understand how big God really is, how powerful God really is, how gracious God really is. We cannot even fully envision how much God loves us. And that's okay. We can see enough of it to know that we still want to be as children and have faith, but there are aspects of it that we go, we just simply don't have the capacity to imagine And the third area is the things that we should imagine, the things that we're supposed to imagine, the way that we're supposed to imagine our futures. In Philippians 4, verse 8, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, he's saying, Fix your thoughts on those things. Consider what is noble and right and pure and lovely. Meditate on those things. Imagine those things. So when you look at your marriage, when you look at your spouse, imagine how good it can be. Imagine how pure and how lovely and how excellent it can be. Imagine things with God in the middle of it. So you might be asking, well, what's the relationship between imagination and daring faith? I thought this was a daring faith series, not a let's make a movie series. Well, it is. And here's, we're going to look at four truths regarding God-inspired imagination and how they help impact or how they help us develop and walk out a daring faith. And I, I just, I want to give a warning here. This is a message meant to inspire you. This is a message meant to, take, to, to push you out to take that next step in your faith, to grow in your faith. And so if you don't want that, just tune me out, okay? If you don't want to have daring faith, you might want to tune this message out because this is really a message, maybe even more than the other ones so far in the series, that is going to challenge you to see your life the way God does, which is probably bigger than how you see it now. So with that warning, some of you pulled out your video games on your phone, but if you're still paying attention, you've been warned. The first truth is this, my my imagination shapes my life. My imagination shapes my life. The way you imagine the future is going to affect how you think and act today. And not just the future of like, man, the way I'm going to retire affects how I'm living today. The the immediate future, the near future, and the long-term future, how you imagine these things affects how you feel, how you think, and how you're going to act. Now, I want to clarify something. The Imagination is not like the force. You can't shape things into being by imagining something. Okay, I, I wore this nice flowery shirt today because I still like to imagine it's still summer. Okay, but this shirt does not change the temperature out there, but it changes how I think about the weather in Fairbanks. It changes how other people think about the weather in Fairbanks because I've gotten a lot of comments already this morning. Oh, I see you're still trying to keep summer here. Yes, let's be positive about the weather where we live. Amen? Faith is seeing the things that are not, right? Right? We still see 60, 70 degrees. No, I can't change the weather, but here's what my imagination does. It shapes me. Now, let's put that into maybe some more applicable things. I don't know about you, but sometimes when my wife and I are having discussions, and for you kids, that means disagreements or arguments, uh, sometimes it's much easier to imagine who she should be. It's much easier to go, man, well, I can imagine her as a good spouse. I can imagine what a good wife would do in this situation. But see, I can't change her through her imaginations. I can only change me. So I need to stop and stop seeing what imagining someone else is. And I need to start saying, wait, I need to imagine what would a good husband do in this situation? And am I doing that? And I need to let my imaginations of what a good husband would be doing shape what I'm doing, shape how I'm thinking about that situation, shape how I'm responding to my spouse in that moment. You see, too often I think we go, man, if I just, this is what you should be like, rather than going, God, what should I be like? And we let our imagination shape our lives. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 23, verse seven. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I love that definition, that phrase, as a man thinks in his heart. I put it this way, the thoughts of our heart. And I think that might be a great definition of imagination. It's that combination sometimes of our feelings and our emotions and what we think, what we perceive. And so the combination of our heart and our thoughts, that is going to shape who we become. Now, this isn't, again, it's not a magic formula where you automatically become what you imagine. If that was true, I'd be an NBA star. I would have made millions. I would have been the greatest of all time because when I was a kid, I spent more time imagining that than anything else. But what it does is when we imagine it, it shapes our lives because we will live in the same manner that we imagine our lives. And so when I was a kid dreaming about becoming an NBA star, it didn't make me any better at basketball, but what it shaped was a determination in my life to get better at things, to go out, to dream, to understand, hey, if I want to be that, I've got to put work in. And in the same way, some of us, you're looking at your finances and you're going, man, I, I dream of winning the lottery. Maybe you just need to dream of sticking to a budget. And some of you are going, I dream for my children to be wonderful children. Maybe you need to start dreaming about being the best parent ever. Because we imagine shapes our lives. It shapes who we are. Now, I'm not saying don't have dreams for your children. Because those dreams that you imagine over your kids, you'll speak those things over them. And you can help shape them. But what I'm saying is our imaginations primarily shape us in those relationships. Which is why we're given in Proverbs 4, verse 23, this admonition, this this, uh, encouragement, if you will, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, we must be careful about how we imagine our lives. And I don't know about you, but I know what I should do as a husband. I know what I should do as a dad. I know what I should do with my finances. I know what I should do to stay healthy. I know what I I know what I should do and there are some times though when it's just so easy not to do those things and so I've got to put in my mind I have to envision myself doing those things I have to envision myself being patient with my children I have to envision myself spending money wisely not necessarily what I just simply desire. I have to guard my heart and say, it's not just about what you want, it's about what is wise and what is godly. Remember that verse, it's about what is right and noble and good and pure. And so we have to look at the world and look at our future and look at our current circumstances, knowing that how we look at it shapes who we are in the midst of it. The second truth that we look at here so the first one was my imagination shapes my life the second one is this great lives are built around great dreams okay now my wife normally goes to the early gathering but she's here in this gathering so I'm running through all of the points I wrote down going okay which ones should I still say But here's the thing, when I imagined myself as a husband, when we met, okay, and I, listen, let's be honest, when you're young and you get married, you really have no clue what's ahead, but you have great imaginations about it, right? You know what I never did? You never, I never imagined being a mediocre husband. I imagined being a great husband. I was waiting for my wife to say you are, but she didn't, that's okay. (laughs) But I imagined greatness, When I was a kid playing basketball in my hometown of Nanaimo, I I wasn't out there in the yard going, oh, three seconds left, Rob shoots, and he wins the Nanaimo Middle School Basketball Championship. I won the NBA championship every time. I won the Olympics. Canada's first Olympic golds were won in my driveway for basketball. Because we don't dream and imagine mediocrity. At least I should, let me rephrase that. God doesn't want us to dream and imagine mediocrity because that's not his dream and his vision for you. That's not his dream and his vision for your finances, for your family, for your children, for your business, for your health, for yourself. Great lives are built on great dreams. Here's some quotes about imagination from some great people. The first one is Albert Einstein, pretty great guy. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. This from the guy who we have to study in science and all those other classes in school. He says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. He says, there's no limit to imagination. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Now again, he's not saying the true sign of intelligence is the kid in third grade who's sitting in the corner picking his nose, daydreaming about uh, spiders. What he's saying is, Imagination, being able to see the future in the right way, being able to see what could be and having hope in that, that is greater sometimes than even the knowledge that we have. I have a future image of my marriage with the full knowledge that I'm not always a great husband. And so that's where imagination is better than knowledge. Another great man, C.S. Lewis, said, imagination is the organ of meaning. In other words, in the same way that the stomach and some other parts are the organs of the digestive system, imagination is where meaning happens, where meaning is developed and created. Napoleon, not a great man, but a great commander, said imagination rules the world. And he was the man who literally wanted to rule the world. And what he's saying is imagination rules the world. Pascal, the philosopher, said, imagination decides everything. In other words, more than what you know, what you perceive is actually going to decide things for you, more than your knowledge, okay? I know that I was never going to be tall, because I knew how how tall my dad was, I knew how tall my grandpa was, and even though that knowledge was there, it did not stop the perception of my future career in the NBA, And lastly, the great theologian George Lucas (laughs) said this, you can't do it unless you can imagine it. And there's a story in the Bible that emphasizes this truth and the power of imagination. In Genesis 11, uh, often the story is called the Tower of Babel. There's the people living in the land, and they decide, again... They begin to imagine a future without God. They begin to imagine a future where they don't need God, so they don't need to make the sacrifices and the offerings and all that stuff. And they get together and they say, the way that we're going to prove we don't need God is we're going to build a tower to the heavens, okay? Not a tower to heaven where God is, but just a tower into the skies, a symbol of our power, a symbol of who we are and our lack of a need for God. And God looked down and said this incredibly powerful statement. He said, the Lord said, look, they are one people and they all have one language. Now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. The power of imagination. It wasn't just that they were unified as one people and unified as one language, but it's because of that or out of that, what they imagined was now no longer impossible for them. And so God came down and the rest of the story is he scatters the languages or he scatters the people into new languages because he had an imagination for us that it is we are with him. He never imagined us to be separated from him. He never imagined us to live our lives separate from him. Let me ask you this question. What is the Tower of Babel in your life? What is it that you say, if I have this, then I'll be okay. If I have more money, then I'll be okay. I'll be okay. If I have a better marriage, then I'll be okay. Because any of those things where you're not saying, if I have more God, those things are a tower of Babel in your life. Because what you're saying is even though God in all of his fullness right now is available to us, you're saying, I don't need you, God. I need this. I need more money. I need better health. I need better kids. I need better marriage, whatever it might be. But God says, no, no, don't imagine life without God. Imagine life with God. And here's the thing. The power of imagination is that a great dream will help us build great lives. Proverbs twenty-eight eighteen says this. Where there is no vision, where there is no imagination, the people perish. In other words, we stop living if we stop imagining what could be. We stop living if we stop imagining what what could be. You see, daring faith is not mediocre faith or normal faith. It is great faith, and it's going to take a great imagination, which is why at True North, we have an imagined future, some of which we can see signs of, some of which we just see God in it. You know, if you've not driven past College Road the other day, uh, we got a picture sent from our, our project manager over there saying the last truss is being set up of the whole steel structure. Well, the reason that last trust is being put in place is because, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, Pastor Mark saw a place. And he didn't know it was College Road. He didn't know it was gonna be designed like that, but he saw a place where the kingdom of God could impact our city. He saw a place where the largest mega sports camp ever could be run. He saw a place where groups of people could come and find the Lord. He saw a place with enough seats so that when you invite all of your coworkers, there's a place for them. Because we have a great dream to be a great church, not because we want to be great, but that the name of Jesus might be great. And that leads to the third truth. And this is where I want you to sit up and pay attention. I know you've been paying attention, but this is where I, and I believe the next two points with all of my heart. The third one is this, God's dream for my life is bigger than my dream. God's dream for your life, what God imagines you are capable of, is bigger than what you realize you are capable of. And I want to give a little side note, a little freebie to parents. What God imagines for your children is bigger than you imagine for your children. And it's better than you imagine for your children. If we have a God, the size of the God that we do, shouldn't our dreams be the same size? We don't let our situations determine how big our dreams are. We let the size of our God determine how big our dreams are. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine. Far more than you could ever guess. And I love this part, far far more than you could ever request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And because of that, glory to God, glory to, in church, glory to God in the Messiah, Jesus, glory to God down all the generations, glory to God through all the ages. His dream is bigger than ours. And that's what daring faith is about. We're daring you to see what God sees in your life. We're daring you to imagine what God has for you. We're daring you to not just see it, but to let it shape your life, to let it build your life around it, and to let it build you bigger than you could see for yourself, bigger than the culture could tell you. The American dream is not as big as God's dream. And I'm not knocking the American dream, there's some really good values in it, but it is nowhere near the dream that God has for you and your family. The dreams that you see on social media other people are living are nothing compared to what God dreams for you. It's beyond what you can imagine. And I think sometimes this is why we look to other people and other things, because it's so sometimes feels incomprehensible that we go, well, let me just have a little manageable dream right down here. Because as humans, we're great managers. We want things we can control. We want things that we can know, hey, I can handle this. If you believe you have a dream and a vision for your life and you say, yeah, I think I can do that, that's not big enough. Because daring faith says, I want to step into the areas where I know I can't do that and God better show up. I know I can't get my kids to do that, but I see it, so God, you better show up. I know that my marriage can't be that good because I'm not the best spouse, so God, you better show up because God's dream is bigger than ours. You see, this isn't about your dream or your vision for your own life. This is about God's dream and God's vision for your life. This isn't daily faith that says, I'll just go through my days and it'll, it'll be fine. This is daring faith that goes, I want to see bigger. And here's the, 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 the beauty of this challenge. Whether you've walked with the Lord for a week or for your whole life, whether you have five days left or five decades, God still is dreaming over your life. God still imagines things over your life. And God says, and it's bigger and better than what you can dream over it. And I want to talk really quickly to the two spectrums here. Young people, the dream God has for your life is the biggest, best dream you're ever going to follow. And I want to say to you, uh, what's the nice way to put it? Vintage people? Antique? No, antique's not a nice way. The other end of the spectrum, the 55 plus, 65 plus God's dream for you is not done yet. It's not done yet. And I hope you haven't stopped dreaming. I, have you, I hope you haven't settled into just, well, now my grandkids get to dream. Because God's dream is bigger. And the fourth truth ties into this. That God's dreams, if a dream is from God, it will be connected somehow to his church and plan for the world. It will be connected somehow to his church and plan for the world. In other words, God's dream for you is connected to his overall vision and what he imagines for the world that we live in. God's dream for you is as much about your neighbors and your family members and maybe nations that you'll never even go visit but you'll pray for. God's dream is about significance And if you want significance in your life, then you want, and we're talking eternal significance, not temporary significance. If you want satisfaction in your life, connect your life to God's dream, which is connected to his plan and his mission. In Genesis, there's a very well-known Bible character you might be familiar with, you might not. His name is Joseph. As a young man, he has these dreams, literal dreams. And he comes out and he tells his brothers, hey, guess what? In my dreams, I saw all these things bowing down and I know what it means. You guys are gonna bow down to me. I don't know about you, but if my brother showed up or my sibling showed up with that dream, I'd be a little upset. But see, the way he presented it was it was about him. And so they took offense at this and they throw him out and they sell him to a tribe and he ends up in Egypt and the the story in his life is some days are great, some days are terrible, some days he's known, some days he's forgotten. But eventually he is in a position of power in Egypt and his brothers come to Egypt when a famine hits the land and they have nowhere else to turn and they come to him but they don't recognize it's him and they bow down before him and say, we need your help. And Joseph, in that moment, says he actually is a grown man, goes in the back and weeps. Because this is, one I think, one of the reasons, because he realized, God, those dreams weren't about me being great. They were about me being able to save my family. And the dreams that God has for you, the temptation is to go, yes, God wants to make me great. God already says you're great. But God wants to give you a dream that will see people saved. God wants to give you a dream and have you imagine your future in a way that he uses for his kingdom, in a way that people come to know him. And so the challenge of this message today is, will we dare to imagine what God has for us? Will we dare to imagine what God has for our lives, what God has for our marriages and our families, what God has for our finances? And here's the thing with it, and I want to challenge you again with this as we close. It's about imagining that today, not about saying, well, if I have this, then I'll do it. It's about saying, God, I want to see today what you see in my life. I want to see today the greatness that you want me to be for your kingdom, connected to your plan. I remember as a young man, a long time ago, but when I first became a Christian, it was in my early 20s, and I remember wrestling a little bit with God over a few months because I saw two things. I saw one, what I imagined for my life. And what I imagined for my life had been defined to me by my culture. It was a pretty normal, to be totally honest, it was a go to university, get a career, get married. This is the size of the house, these are the kind of toys you're gonna have. That's what I imagined. But I knew that God imagined something different for me. I knew that God imagined a life going into ministry and going into missions and having to learn languages I didn't know and eat food I didn't like. And I'll be honest with you, it was for a few months I wrestled back and forth. I tried to make deals with God. I don't know if you've ever tried to make deals with God. God, I see what you see, but here's what I see. Maybe we can negotiate, maybe we can trade some pieces out. And after a number of months of wrestling this through, I finally gave in and I said, God, if that's what you imagine for my life, that's what I'm gonna walk out. And I can tell you now, 20 some odd years later, I wouldn't trade a moment of it. I wouldn't trade a moment of it to have more of my mortgage paid off. I wouldn't trade a moment of it to go back and not have to learn a language that had me hitting my head against the walls. I wouldn't trade a moment of it for more of what my dream was because of how satisfying and how eternally wonderful God's dream for my life has been. And I share that to say, I truly believe if you will imagine your future the way God sees it, it'll be the best thing for you. Now, it takes a little bit of daring faith because he's gonna see things beyond what you think you can get to. He's gonna see things and show you things beyond what you think you can do on your own. Some of you might say, God, I'm not that great. And he's gonna say, yes, you are. Some of you might say, God, I don't know if I can do that. And he's gonna say, great, then step out and trust me. But our daring faith starts with daring to imagine, daring to let God show us what he has for us. Would you stand and rise, and the worship team's going to come out, and I want to pray over you, and then I'm going to ask you to do something as we sing this last song. And that is simply this. Would you just pray a simple prayer and say, God, would you show me what you imagine over my life? Because the thing is, our faith in knowing what to imagine starts when we see what he sees over our life. Lord Jesus, we just pray that prayer. God, let us see what you imagine. It says in your word again, when you created us, you imagined our days. You saw the days ahead of us. And God, you know that in some ways we followed well and in some ways we've been really terrible at following you. But here we are today, God, in the position we're in with our finances the way they are, our relationships the way they are, our health the way it is. And we just say, God, would you speak fresh today? How do you see? our future? What do you imagine for our lives? Lord, would you show us today? Amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at you North Church.